Thank you for listening to Zero Brightness. If you'd like to support us directly, you can go to patreon.com slash zero brightness. You can also find and interact with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Discord. All the relevant links are at zerobrightness.com. We'll see you out there. I'm in dumb guy mode. I've been uh, editing really dumb videos. I feel dumb. Yeah. Does Captain Caveman say something besides like, uh, like when he goes a Captain Caveman? Like he does that. But <laughs> yeah, like, does he yeah. have like a? Does he have like a fucking yaggedy sax ass like? <laughs> Catchphrase? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a, like a thing that he does. I don't think so. Or at least I okay. can't remember. I just remember what he looked like. He was a kind of a gnarly, yeah. gnarly looking motherfucker. Well, he looked me. like um, cousin it. Yeah. Kinda. But yeah. less hair, but like it's a lot of hair though. It's like the placement of the hair, I think, that gets me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's, it's, and then you can like see his nose, but not his eyes. Maybe yeah. Big, yeah. Like, potato nose. Something about that. It's just like, hmm. I mean, I think that's why people have that certain reaction to me, you know? It's just like, oh God, why is that there? Why can I only see that? A bunch of hair and a nose, and maybe there's some glasses down there. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, you know? But yeah, anyway, uh, today we both have a season, so deal with it. It's 2023. <laughs> Global warming, you know what I'm saying? So, uh, yeah, and we're here to talk about a game that we played called Decarnation. Uh, Decarnation kind of came out of nowhere for me, personally. Did I did I tell you about it? Did you tell me about it? I don't remember if I just like saw it on Steam and wishlisted it and then you were like, hey. Well, yeah, that's the thing is like this game came out and it made a bunch of waves because it's heavily inspired by Silent Hill. It is a 2D 16-bit style survival horror game, which is something that, you know, I am I kind of have a bias towards because of how much I love the game Lone Survivor. Um and a couple, you know, a handful of other like indies I've played in that style that I really like. Um, but yeah, it, it kind of made a splash. People were talking about it. I was like, I'm going to play that eventually. And then, yeah, I just saw that it was on sale on Steam, bought it, started playing it. And I was like, holy shit, this game is fucking insane, actually. And then I just sent you a code and I was like, you need to play this. Yeah, well, I had it uh, on my list. Yeah, I don't I don't know what prompted me to do it. I just remember. I think I saw the logo, like the Steam banner image, and then I like was like, "What's this?" And then I just like saw some screenshots, and I was like, "Yeah, okay," and I put it on my wish list. Yeah, for sure. But it, it's interesting because, like, I feel like when it came out, it made a lot of waves because people were like, "Oh, it's like Silent Hill inspired, you know, 2D horror ball, like kind of stuff that's very generic and was not very convincing." But then. Once I actually started playing it, I was like, okay, this game is fucking insane. You guys should have led with this game is fucking insane. Yeah, I uh, it's got some similarities to Silent Hill for sure. Like there's obvious parallels, but I think I like I noticed them while I was playing, but I don't really know that at any point I would have been like, it's a Silent Hill like. Yeah, like I really just didn't. I think maybe just it's specific mixture of what was happening kind of didn't lead me to that place. Right. I can, 
I can see why someone could. I, and that's a thing about the game to me that I've noticed while I was playing it is like, I I feel like a lot of people could just make a lot of very like generic assumptions about the game, you know? Like when you're playing it, it's just like, yep, it's a there's the metaphors and there's the trauma and there's the other world and there's, you know, like it 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 could seem a little uh like by the numbers maybe if you're not paying attention, I guess. Like yeah. you're just like a dumb gamer and you're just like, oh, this is like one of those, I guess. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, it's there was like a, a weird part of my brain that was doing that. And then the other part that was like, no, there's a lot happening here. And they were kind of always like oscillating and fighting each other. Yeah, for sure. Well, you know, one thing I'll say about this game is a lot of the coverage and a lot of the hype that I became aware of was because of the most annoying people on the planet, which is YouTube essayists. Uh, and so, no! <laughs> so, yeah, I think that, and you know, I, like I'm also annoying. I have a podcast like, but they're just like a different nope. weight class of annoying in my opinion, allegedly. But, um, <laughs> allegedly, no, it's, you, you say it all the time. Yeah. You're not. Yeah. When no one's beaten these charges. All right. But, uh, the point is that, yeah, I feel like just kind of keen into that sort of surface level read on this game, I think does it a disservice because yeah, this game is notable to me because like I said, it's crazy. It's so insane. It's so weird. And it's actually something so different than just about any other like 2d horror game. And even like most other horror games. Um, and yeah, it's just like, yeah, we got to play this. We got to talk about this. I was like kind of blown away and it was weird because like, even as I was playing it, there's things about the game. I didn't like There's things that like kept annoying me, but I was like, this is definitely the only game like this that exists. And it's very um, fucking weird. You've played more games vaguely like this than I have for sure. So you'd definitely be a better judge on that. I yeah, it's definitely a unique one for me personally. Well, okay. Here's the thing is that, you know, even just for this show and also just in my free time, I've played quite a few 2d 16 bit style horror games. Um, there are a lot of them. Like I said, I kind of have a bias towards this style because of Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor is one of my favorite games ever. I've done at least one episode on it. And uh, yeah, it's just the best. But what was so cool about Lone Survivor is that it was clearly influenced by Silent Hill. It was clearly influenced by classic survival horror. But they found a really cool and unique way to spin it so that it felt very unique to them. Like it didn't feel like it was just a 2d D make of silent Hill. It was like they had come up with their own systems um, and their own mechanics. And they made a game that was really fun to play. It had a great art style, the like super Nintendo style visuals are really awesome. And that kind of set the bar for me since then playing 2d, you know, survival horror games or 2d horror games. Like, uh, it's a very mixed bag. There's a lot of stuff that just like doesn't really work. There's a lot of stuff that just doesn't feel like it's well designed. So if it has things like combat and like inventory management, um, those things just kind of fall flat. Uh, this game is pretty brilliant because it just bypasses all of that shit. And it's almost more like yeah. a weird kind of 
like visual novel or something except yeah. with sections where you control a character and like you are like playing most of the game even the part the scenes that have like dialogue and stuff like that yeah like you're you're <laughs> you're pressing a a lot uh right and that not to get too far ahead of anything i guess but like my i think my only real baby gripe which is maybe a strong term honestly is like i didn't the pacing I liked the pacing, but also I kind of hated how long you could spend in a spot where you were just like hitting a. And that might be just because I'm not I don't play visual novels. Maybe I'll get there one day, but right now that's not totally my bag. Yeah. Uh, And so like when you're playing a thing where a lot of the segments that are like that, that are just kind of like you're constantly cycling through like speech bubbles is like you're the section of the screen that is actually anything that isn't just black is like right in the middle, probably like, I don't know, 40% of the screen. And then you have like a little speech bubble in that and you're just oscillating between two people talking. Yeah. And that's just like that. Eventually I'm like, it's really hard for me not to just like speed tap a to get through this to something. Right. But you know, I, I, I stuck with it because obviously it's important the story and the dialogue is very critical to what's going on here. So, right. Well, and so, you know, decarnation, I think to me, what stands out and the way that I view it is that it's a game that basically tries to do a totally different take on a narrative horror adventure game. So, you know, there is a character that you have direct control over. There is a bit of exploration, some puzzle solving, The areas you explore are usually very small. It's generally pretty simple. Occasionally it opens up, but um, yeah, and that's a certain chunk of the game, but a lot of it, if not most of it, is just watching cutscenes or, you know, watching kind of story sections that might be minimally interactive or non-interactive. You're listening to dialogue, you're watching cutscenes, but... The thing is that the writing in this game is really good and the directing of those scenes is also really good. Um, So like the game is fun to experience and like the story really, really keeps you going because you're just like, man, I really want to know what the fuck is going on in this story. Um, It's very weird. I mean, we'll talk about it, but I know I keep saying that, but it's like. I don't know. I just like did not expect this game to take the weird turns that it took, or I just didn't expect things to go how they went like ever. And yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I really appreciate that about this game. I think uh, the way I would describe the way that it progresses is like, uh, hopefully, hopefully nobody uh, hate mails for this. It's Lynchian, but like not bad. Not and and to be clear here, I'm not saying that David Lynch is bad or his works are bad, but there's a there's an element of like camp or intentional like obtuseness to his work that, depending on your proclivities, it might be bad. Sure. <laughs> and I think everyone's got a David Lynch thing where they're just like, oh, this fucking sucks, man. What's what? This is like everyone has the thing he did. That's like the room, basically, I think. Yeah, sure. So, like, I feel like if you took his, uh, you know, his his thing, his whatever, and you made it, you just took out the risk element there. 
and made it so it is actually always consistently good. That's that's kind of the forward momentum that like I felt out of it was like I was watching a David Lynch uh, maybe like miniseries because it ends yeah. up obviously being a little longer than a movie just due to the game part of it. Uh, yeah, but I think if you if you pull the game parts out, you'd be left with probably like a two hour movie. So, you know, like a yeah. four or five episode little uh, TV thing. Yeah, for sure. No, yeah, it's a, it's a roughly, you know, six or seven hour game. Uh, it definitely has a lot of forward momentum in the story, and especially because so much of it is like story segments. You do feel like you just keep going forward. I think I played this entire game in a day. Yeah, I split it up a little bit just because it was amidst all the shit. That yeah. I'm doing. So like I, I, I think when I got to, I think when I got to like halfway into Act Two, I think I just ended up like going all the way. Yeah. I just like woke up early on a Sunday and I had nothing to do. And so I just started playing it. And then suddenly it was like 1 p.m. And I was like, oh, I got to stop. And then I just like later that <laughs> night came back and like did the same thing. Except suddenly it was like midnight. And I was like, oh, I just I beat it. So I don't know. It, it's a really cool experience. I think um, I think for what it is, it might be a little long. Like, I think if it was a couple hours shorter or just trimmed in a little bit, it might be better. But I was also impressed by like how they managed to fill that space because there's a lot going on in this story. You yeah, know? like I don't know that there's there's not like fat to be trimmed, really. But there's yeah, there's like I, there's some part of it that like makes it longer than I guess it feels like it. I don't, it's hard to it's hard to really nail down. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, when I was playing it, I was like, I feel like this should have been a little like a little shorter, but I can't point to a thing and say like this needed to go. This didn't serve a purpose. Yeah, there's just like some repetitive things they make you do and some segments that kind of stretch out a little bit. That's like, eh, you know, we could have lost some of this stuff, but but yeah. It was, yeah, it's like by the time I got to the end of it, I was kind of thinking of it almost more like a TV show or something than a game, which is interesting because I definitely think it's a video game. I know that if you Google this game, one of the first reviews that pops up is like, is this even a game? And like the answer is yes, it's, def yeah. it's definitely a video game, not just because you like play it, but also I think that the choice to make it have that 16 bit style and aesthetic and like, you know, just a general interaction style, like a 16-bit RPG or something, uh, is actually used to really cool effect because it changes the way that the story is presented, right? Like how the cutscenes look, how they're directed, how they play out. And that's something I find really interesting in like narrative video games when people choose an older aesthetic like this because it, you know, changes how the story is told and then write a story to that style. Um that's something I think is really interesting because I've always felt that that's actually like an inherent piece of video games is like not just the way they look, but the way a conversation is paced or the way that writing is delivered, like having text box text boxes on screen that fill up with the dialogue and it goes at a certain speed and you know how there's like a cutscene playing behind it. Like, I don't know. I, th I think that's a different way to present a story or, you know, to like visualize a story and I'm always interested when games like make those choices, you know, to use this kind of retro aesthetic to tell a story. And I think it, it works really well for this game. Yeah, it's a 
that's definitely it's, I don't know. Risk isn't the right word, because if you're if you know what you're doing, if you're good at what you do, it's fine. But if you're just somebody, it's probably a risk to go with that graphic format. But yeah, here uh, it all works really well. Yeah. And the direction and the pacing feels like a movie to me. But yeah, it is still very much a game. It is a game. Yeah. Like that. That isn't a question in my <laughs> mind. I don't I don't know whatever dude at IGN, you know, was thinking. But yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of that classic conversation that we've had on this show many times where like whenever something is narrative based and the interaction is somewhat minimal or minimalist, somebody crawls out of the woodwork and is just like, that's not a video game. That's not the game I video, you know, like <laughs> it's just unavoidable. And like, yeah. I, I think it's mostly like pretty, pretty dumb. Um, but like, I think with this game, there definitely is a level of surprise, or at least like I felt surprised when I was like, wow, this is really mostly just like experiencing this story, watching cutscenes, you know, reading. But once again, I think that the choice to make it have that video game you know, format makes, you know, it changes how the story is told and it makes it like an inherent and important part of the game. Like, yeah, it's like, I mean, visual novels are games, even though neither, neither of us play them, but it's like, you know, just because you mostly just press X and make choices, that doesn't mean that it's not a game. It's just like a different type of game. And it's also a different way to present a story. Yeah. I mean, you know, interactive medium or media or whatever is not, no one's going to make that a whole art, like thing in and of itself. So, yeah, it's a game. It's yeah. Yeah, for sure. Fine. That's fine. They're games. That's we've accepted it. It's, <laughs> I don't know. I hate the like, is this a game? Is this a video game? Like, yeah. Shut up, brother. Did you buy it on Steam? Yeah. Yeah. It's a video <laughs> game. Shut the fuck up. And then uh, I know y'all are going to make jokes about wallpaper simulator and in the DAWs that are on Steam and all that shit. Whatever. A wallpaper simulator sounds fucking sick, dude. Oh, wait, no, I meant wallpaper uh, engine. The thing that like lets you tool around and make like oh, animated sure. <laughs> junk and stuff for your desktop. Yeah, dude, that's cool. That's, I mean, hey, I've always said my favorite video game is Pro Tools. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know what y'all are talking about. But well, I will say this too. You know, this game, it's mostly worth playing and experiencing for the story. And I think that's mostly probably what we're going to end up talking about later in this episode but like i also think that it has some very good game design and some extremely good puzzle design in it that really kind of caught me off guard so like okay one thing i've been talking about on the show a lot lately is like death mechanics yeah i did a whole episode on it and since then people have been like messaging me or talking to discord about like you know their thoughts on death mechanics and like you know different stray thoughts on that topic and it was interesting because right after I recorded that, I played this game and uh, there is actually a lot of really smart game design here. And like one thing is that the game does have these little challenges it makes you do like there's never any combat or anything like that. But there are challenges and mini games and things you'll need to complete in order to progress. But the game never like kills you you know there's no death mm, yeah it just kind of plops you back at the beginning of that room and you just do the thing right and that's the thing is like there's no fail state in this game and that's something that you know i was talking about recently on the patreon but it's like i think that is 
good game design and it's a piece of good game design that's like constantly ignored by the people who make video games that like if it doesn't make sense for your game to have a fail state it doesn't need one like you know what i mean and like especially in this game it's smart because yeah if you fail a challenge they just they're like okay do it again like we're not going to let you go forward until you do this but just do it again. We're not going to waste your time kicking you back to a checkpoint or sending you to a game over screen or something like that. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot lately. Cause like, yeah, a lot of games actually don't need a fail state. Why do they have them? You know, and this game doesn't. So I thought that was really smart. Uh, I like that about the game, but I also think that uh, the puzzles in this game are like really, really good. And they I, are very good. I didn't expect it, and it just really took me by surprise. Yeah, the like the thing about the gameplay that I think is just the best here is you're kind of getting a sort of survival horror experience uh, without the survival, I guess. Which, like, a lot of games get labeled survival horror kind of despite the actual mechanics involved. So I, in my mind, it's come to mean just kind of a general sort of vibe, even if it doesn't have some of the classic hallmarks. Right. Um, but here there's, you know, there's some enemy encounter sort of kind of. Yeah. But you don't, you know, you're not, you don't have a weapon. There's no inventory uh, anywhere at no. all, period. The pause menu is just like pause, options, yeah. quit. Like there's fucking nothing. Yeah. Which is also good because I hate, the I hate the just like you have a photo in your inventory like okay the, what how many times do I need to look at it and what room to trigger the the dog ending like yeah, yeah. I hate that so like and this is a sort of game where like you know depending on who makes it absolutely could have had that shit and so I'm glad there's no inventory and all the puzzles are environmental puzzles right but they still have like the spirit of kind of some of the classic games Right. But it's all and you know, if there's something that is would normally be like a note, it's all just like on the screen. That's all sort of like wrapped into the uh, cinematography doesn't feel like the right word. But, you know, there's no real UI to the game. So you just, you know, you have you have these things on screen as you're engaging in an activity. And yeah. Until you have completed this puzzle to move forward, because it's not like a it's not a thing where you walk in a room and there's a puzzle to solve and like you get stuck. You just you go everywhere you can go until you realize you have to figure this puzzle out. Like it's like, no, you're in this part of the game until you go forward. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's even no saving. It's just all auto saving. So like, yeah, because there's yeah, there's like nothing to really save. Yeah. Unless, unless you were just like, I got to get all these achievements. And yeah, in which case I, it gives you, I think, maybe like a act selection. So, yeah, you can replay sections of the game, but it's smart just because once again this is just a visual like storytelling type of experience so you know not slowing the player down or adding unnecessary stuff is good for that whole experience but what i really liked here is that not breaking anything up gives it this weird feeling of like a very long dream you're having like the whole thing is very weird and surreal and dreamlike and never, you know, breaking that mood 
uh, really, really enhances the game. And like I said, I mean, I just kind of started playing it and I played most of the game in like one city and I was like, what the fuck? Like, what just happened? You know? And like... Yeah, it definitely hits a little better if you like either play it, you know, in like two big chunks or all the way through or whatever. I don't... I would not recommend it like an act at a time or anything like that. Right. Yeah, for sure. And... I don't know. I think there's just like a lot of smart stuff like that, that I think that's why people keep comparing it to some of its influences. Like, yeah, Silent Hill, David Lynch, whatever, is that this game actually hits that weird, surreal, unearthly vibe, like way better than most video games, even like big budget, super well-made video games. Like they don't quite hit that mood. And this game does, you know, like, yeah, it really feels like you actually watched some weird fucked up European surrealist horror movie. Yeah. Like, and it helps that you never, you know, like there are times when you kind of know where you're at, but the game does a really good job of playing with, um, I, I guess like withholding what is real yeah. in any given moment and what isn't. Yeah. Uh, and you know, generally it's fairly stark, but occasionally, it it kind of ebbs and flows a little bit so you're so you end up a bit uncertain which right. kind of funnels into the story yeah. so it's a it's a real tight design choice yeah no yeah like i said i i was very very impressed with how i was able to use those like game ideas and game design ideas in order to tell the story better and actually make it like a better piece of fucked up surrealist art um, cause that's what it is. And that was another thing, obviously, like when this game came out, people were talking about it like that. And like, when I hear a YouTube essay, is talking about that. I'm just like, Oh, shut the fuck up. But <laughs> when I hear myself talking about it, I sound really cool and attractive. And so that's good. The hidden psychological trauma of Buck Bumble <laughs> rears its head at the most, uh, inopportune I mean, of moments. There's fog in Buck Bumble. You think about it. <laughs> So Buck, Buck Bumble cinematic <laughs> Silent Hill universe confirmed. I mean, two plus two equals four of the streets. That's oh, all I'm saying. Damn, damn, dude. Holy shit. Um, <laughs> right about now. Okay, so let's <laughs> let's actually talk about what this game is because we've been we've been vague booking about this game for almost a half an hour now. But so Decarnation, like I said, a 16-bit style 2D horror game. Kind of looks like an old Super Nintendo RPG or something, but it plays more like a visual novel. Uh, it is set in France in 1990. You play as a character named Gloria, who is a dancer at a cabaret. And the game opens with her getting like modeling for a sculpture. And. <clears throat> She, you know, the guy, the sculptor who's actually making the piece is super weird and creepy. The game mm -hmm. kind of establishes like, mis like misogyny and the male gaze and men being creepy as like a major theme, like immediately. Yeah. And it does it like in that scene, um, particularly like, he, I think a less informed person could probably like miss that he's being weird. Oh, like it is. It is <laughs> you think so? It is. A little like I think it's just it there's a, a good like there's a good amount of subtlety in a lot of the story beats here. Yeah. 
You know, like I think like a real men's rights activist ass motherfucker would not catch it. Just period. Oh, yeah. Well, that guy's really cool. (laughs) Yeah, like I think depending on how you like go into the game, like for a second, you might not think much of it. But yeah, no. Yeah, (laughs) he is. He is being weird. And, you know, he's it, it sets it sets the stage really well, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, and so then, you know, the the first kind of big set piece in the game is that you go to see the sculpture, the main character, Gloria and her girlfriend go to the opening or they go to the museum where it's at to see the sculpture and she sees a weird creepy mysterious figure like molesting the statue and they warn her that like oh this people are being weird with it and so she walks in and she sees that and then she has this like create like kind of a panic attack episode uh where the museum she basically goes into her own head and the museum kind of becomes a surreal hellish silent hill otherworld. And yeah, it introduces you to that aspect of the game. It introduces you to a lot of the main mechanics of those types of segments where like, like you said, there's monsters, you have to stay away from them. If you get caught, it'll kick you back to the beginning of the room. So it's like a little kind of puzzle slash obstacle course. You make your way through it. uh, You leave it and you leave the museum and then it's like, you know, title card game begins. Now, this segment is very cool because it actually does the thing that people have been saying Silent Hill does forever, which is like, oh, Silent Hill's a reflection of its the character's mental states and like it's a deep meditation on blah blah blah. But it's like not actually because it's like not that deep. This game actually does like <laughs> like it shows convincingly shows a character having a panic attack and then like seeing it as like a Silent Hill-esque other world transformation thing. And it's cool and it works. And like yeah. the visuals in this game are fucking great. Like the pixel art's awesome. The visual style is great. It it's like, once again, it's like a weird like JRPG meets Silent Hill, but it's very expressive and colorful. There's like a cartoony element to it that I really like. Um, yeah. And I, I was just really impressed with that. Like I said, it just felt like, oh, this is the thing that uh, people say like silent hill does but here it is and it's like way better in this form you know yeah and i know i've talked about it before like the 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 lack of fidelity quote unquote really it helps a lot and that's not to say that the visuals aren't great because like i nothing is really left to your imagination but i think it's like kind of by the same token like the the perspective, like the top down perspective and the fact that it's 2D and all that stuff, like at least it at least like leaves a little bit up to your brain. And so that kind of increases the the discomfort a little, I guess. Yeah. And it's like between that and the game's really good at like uh, creating negative space. Yeah. Uh I don't know if there's a more apt term for like a, a visual medium like this, um, like an interactive visual medium like this, because I don't mean that like nothing's on screen. I mean that like everything just kind of stops and whether that's something with the music or like the characters stop talking or they stop moving or like whatever. It does a really good job with that, which like happens in that kind of like opening scene where you're at the art museum and all that stuff. So between those two things, plus the actual like the the really good visual information you are getting is like it 
it works very well for being for being like uh 16 or i guess maybe uh i know there's like a higher one what was the game boy advance like you know you know what i mean like there's, a, yeah. there's something above 16 that's like a little better uh wh- whatever that is you know like yeah the sega insane. 32x i think is what you're you're thinking is a 32 <laughs> i guess I well know. that was the, the playstation but yeah 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 um no i i, I totally agree i i think that you know, one thing about this visual style, and I think it's why I try so many of these games, and in the early days of the show, we'd cover them and be like, this game sucks, and then now, <laughs> now that I try to do things that are a little more constructive, I don't do that. I just play those games privately, and I go, wow, this thing sucks, and I never talk <laughs> about it. But, you know, there is an inherent uh, allure to, like, seeing a Silent Hill type of world, for lack of a better term, rendered in 16-bit 2d art style there's a really cool uncanniness to it because you know what that's supposed to look like you know it's supposed to be 3d it's supposed to look like a 3d video game so seeing it rendered in that cool pixel art style it's always cool like and then you know usually where these games fuck up is that the games aren't actually good and the story is forgettable and blah 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 so (laughs) it's like i wish there were more games like this that were you know visually similar but then also as like unique and smart and well-written um because yeah i haven't really only played this game like this and then lone survivor is not like this at all but just in terms of the visual style it is and it's also a 10 out of 10 so um yeah but so okay i guess let me say this this is kind of where the spoiler warning is so if you if uh if ye are wary of these things, uh, you have reached the imposing wrought iron gate of this episode. <laughs> bye bye. But what I love about that intro, now that uh, not all the cowards are gone, um, is that <laughs> it sets a precedent for the game that the game then massively subverts. Like that intro does basically show you how the game is going to be and what the game is about, but you'll never guess what happens next. Uh, Which is that, you know, you're assuming the game is just going to be this woman going about her day-to-day life and experiencing, like, things that are upsetting and then retreating into this, like, kind of crazy inner world, right? But what happens is, so she's a dancer. She works at this cabaret. The game in the intro repeatedly references the fact that she's getting like too old for it or like at least like the people around her would tell her in a shitty misogynistic way that like you're too old, you're aging out, like blah, blah, blah. So as she's dealing with all this like anxiety over that, she gets a phone call from like an arts fund, like a private run arts fund that's like, hey, we want to pay you to make a show, to do your own thing, to like be an artist like full time for X amount of months or whatever. Then we'll do a tour. We'll send you here, here, blah, blah. And so she's like, wow, this is amazing. This is life changing. So she's going to do it. And it turns out that that was a ploy for a mysterious figure to kidnap her and lock her in like a bunker basement prison cell. <laughs> and yeah, a dun- like it. I mean, it's a dungeon. It's a dungeon. Okay? It's yeah. a, it is a cell. It's a room that is like furnished, but has like a cell, like a like a gated. Oh, what's the word? There's got to be a, a correct word, like a door, a, yeah. a barred door. Yeah. Uh, but it's like <sighs> immediately it's creepy, not only because she's trapped, of course, but because it's like 
she's i can't remember if she's what, 26 29 something like that. she's in her mid to late 20s yeah. yeah and this room is very much made up like it is for a fucking child yeah for sure so basically she just sits in this creepy ass child's bedroom prison cell and the only people who come to the door are like a creepy masked figure that only speaks to her through an intercom and then like a guy who appears to be his butler who is also weird and creepy but he's like nice quote unquote um (laughs) and so the entire rest of the game physically takes place in this prison cell Uh, And then, you know, she goes on these kind of like journeys into her own inner space where she sees once again, this sort of Silent Hill-esque otherworld, except what I think is also very cool about that in this game is that it's not just all creepy and destroyed uh, in a Silent Hill kind of way. Like there are areas like that, but there's also like a town you repeatedly go to that it's kind of like melancholy. It almost feels like a location from like a dark souls game or something, but it's not Mm -hmm. like destroyed. And there are people there. There's NPCs to talk to, there's stuff to find. And so like it, like when she kind of, when I say she goes on this journey in her own inner space, she like really, really goes on like an entire journey in her own inner space. And once again, that's like, it just reinforces that crazy surreal vibe because it's like, well, we know that, the vast majority of this game just takes place in a prison cell, but we're also able to see all these other crazy fucking things, which is also just like a really cool idea in this game that I like. And given the pacing, sometimes, sometimes you're not sure if like she got out, you're not sure what like the laws of this world are. Right. Like, you know, if there's like a, if there's a mysticism to like uh, this game's real world, that would somehow allow her to like make it out or whatever. So like I said before, you know, at any given point, you're not a hundred percent sure where you're at. Yeah, for sure. And there's this like really great, dislocated kind of feeling that once again, I think a lot of horror gamers are familiar with because of Silent Hill or stuff that's like inspired by Silent Hill where like, you know, when you're in nowhere, which like you literally are in Signalis or like you frequently are in like Silent Hill three or something or the original Silent Hill, like that feeling of like you are nowhere or you don't know where you are. Like that's something that people know because of that game and this game has it in spades, but it also does it in a way that's really different. And I think that's really cool. But yeah, like when she gets locked in the cell, it essentially pivots towards being like a prisoner story where like she's locked in the cell. She's interacting with the guard. She's trying to, you know, she's going through all the kind of different stages of grief where like she's trying to yeah. escape, but then at some point she accepts it. At some point she just like, totally goes nuts and acts really weird because she like doesn't care you know like it's Mm -hmm. just this whole thing where like you're watching her mental journey and then you're also like playing it through these sections that take place like in her mind presumably i guess i'm just saying that very authoritatively but the game i guess doesn't really (laughs) tell you explicitly but whatever um yeah well i mean i think there's a lot of indications that it's very much a she is (laughs) sort of retreating into herself as a trauma response to then find kind of the puzzle piece she needs to, to make it through the day or maybe kind of advance her situation. Right. Yeah. Which again is all part of why the, the direction and the storytelling is all very good. Yeah. 
because there's there's different reads on it and then i think there's probably a very objective read on it and but all those can exist at the same time yeah for sure and like Another thing I'll say is that the story is surprisingly concrete for how weird and surreal it is. Like they answer your questions and they tell you what happens, which I actually really liked because the game like immerses you so much in the story that and it goes on for so long that at the end of it's like, yeah, I want to see what happens. I want to know. And like the ending is a little goofy. I think they maybe lean too hard into like just giving you the like synopsis of so-and-so ended up here. So-and-so ended up here, but like I appreciated it and I was happy that it was like that rather than just being mysterious. Cause I was like, I'm really in the mood to just know what the fuck happened at the end of this. Yeah. Which I'm, I don't think it's an additional big spoiler at all, but like her, her ex-girlfriend, I go, which is a whole, that's part of the thing is they kind of have a, a breakup yeah, and all that fun stuff. But like her being there at the end is what kind of makes it like, okay, what, what is happening? Yeah. Cause this person's here and this person's here and this person's here. That's weird. Yeah. Um, but still, I, I I think there's still a way to look at it. It's like, no, this is this is like other world good version that she's in. Yeah. And this version of the girlfriend is or the ex is is that is a good other world version, like whatever. But uh, the the ending, I think, it, yeah, it's a little goofy or like the the sort of the first um, the first part of the ending segment is like definitely like a goofy, fun, stupid, goofy, uh, fun kind of yeah. thing. But it it like worked. I don't know. Even even as much as it's like, well, maybe this is getting a little too much, but like it still felt right, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think that, you know, speaking of goofy or the game being kind of goofy, that is part of the charm. Like, yeah, it is always kind of messing with like, <laughs> yeah, bullshit. Well, yeah. And I think that like good surrealism needs a dose of absurdity, you know, absolutely you know like fucking ask david lynch but uh <laughs> like it needs that kind of absurd element and this game has it in spades like okay so one thing your character is a dancer and the game uses that to like force you to do wario wear style mini games frequently <laughs> like there's one where you basically play ddr like a very simple ddr on a controller uh, there's one where you have to do like a balance thing where you keep an arrow in the center of a balance meter while she like does stretches <laughs> and like, yeah, I don't know. There's uh when those happen, usually like a piece of licensed music will play and it's like French pop rock music. And it's like, yeah, very funny every time it fucking got me. And then like, even at the end of the game, they like give you a little moment. It's like, do you want to replay these mini games? <laughs> and it's like, I don't know. There's something really, really fucking funny about yeah. it. Like, but that's definitely part of the charm. Like, I think that is definitely part of the game's vibe and the game's charm. Yeah. And those moments sort of like help with the pacing. You know, you're, you're never just doing like a, a platforming gauntlet or a puzzle gauntlet or whatever you're, yeah it's it's always the interactivity of it beyond just moving a character around is it changes a lot and it's it always feels i guess appropriate for the you know the situation yeah for sure 
Yeah, and I think that the game also likes to subvert that and do interesting things. Like, there's one moment where you message me and you're like, what the fuck am I supposed to do here? And it's (laughs) funny because it's something very, very simple, but it's also something kind of subversive because you haven't done it before in this game and you wouldn't really think to do it. Uh, So it's a thing you can do, and it's something after... I think after, like, you were like, you just do this. I was like, oh, because, like, I think there's a part in the game before where you can do that. It's just not it's not something you have to do. It's just something you can do if you want to. Uh, So it's yeah, like if you're the sort of person that's just always going to, like, spend just you're going to take every game. And if it takes eight hours to complete, you're going to make it 16 because you're going to like see <laughs> you're going to see how you can break the game or whatever. Yeah. Like, I think if you're that sort of person, maybe you would have found it. But um, yeah, no, I spent 10 minutes being like, let me try this. Let me try this. Let me try this. And I was like, I give up. What do yeah. I do? Yeah. Look, it's it's very subversive. It kind of tries to mess with you and it wants you to, you know, change the way you're thinking with each section of the game. And I really appreciate that. Like, Yeah, I mean, the puzzles that I really enjoyed in the game, they get really strange and like kind of gnarly where it's like you have to triangulate like a few different ideas and you have to like actually focus on what you're doing. And yeah, I'm always happy to see a game that's like survival horror influence that has like really good puzzles because there are so many of them that have really fucking bad puzzles. I mean, some of the OG like survival horror games had bad puzzles so yeah it's always cool to see like good puzzles and this game definitely has them but yeah it's weird it's it's just like it's kind of funny and cheeky and weird um for a lot of the game it's very fucking european can i say that like doesn't it <laughs> yeah it, it just I mean, it has that vibe and like yeah the the setting of 90s france is like perfect yeah like the 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 nostalgia is really hard there and the 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 setting and the music all being uh, all the music with um like vocal tracks i guess being actual like french music helps a lot as well yeah for sure Uh, the fact that she's a dancer professionally and that's just where she goes every night and that and it's not not in which this isn't like a weird comment on like you know sex work or whatever but it's like it's it's not like a strip club like sure. she just goes and and dances in a very traditional sense and it's like yeah this is not a thing now you don't no one no one does this yeah yeah you can't you can't just be a nine to five like i just dance i have my performance it's my art like and you could do that as an art form but like it being like a viable business or whatever it's just not quite it's not a thing anymore and everything about it feels very like of a specific point in time and yeah 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 it's like watching an old terry gilliam movie or something and it just has that like weird vibe you know i don't know i i really liked it i like that aspect of the game a lot and i think like the visuals reflect that too i mean it's easy to say like oh it's kind of like silent hill but it also makes me think of like european like surrealist art um and it has its own like unique look if you go through the art museum, like at the beginning of the game, you can actually like interact with the art pieces and there's specific art pieces that are real yep. that you can be like, oh, ooh, oh, and then you're kind of like, oh, I see what is happening here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's the same as like, you know, the design of some of the really surreal places, like the little town that's in her mind and like some of the kind of dungeon areas also have more of like a classical European 
uh, sculpture art look to them. Um, and I think once again, that's cool. It, it's another thing too, right? Where it's like Silent Hill or the Silent Hill kind of inspired style. We associate so much with that like Twin Peaks small town Americana that it's always cool to see it rendered in other styles. Um, but a lot of games also just don't do it very well. Like, you know, even like the medium, which is a game that I'm like generally pretty positive on. It's like, you know, when I imagine Polish Silent Hill, I imagine something way crazier than this. You know what I mean? Like, I've seen those movie posters. I know what the fuck y'all get up to. Like, um, but this one actually, I think, delivers on like that kind of like European Silent Hill that. Yeah. And it's it's a situation where a French person which, you know, I guess I'm making a bit of an assumption. Maybe they're Canadian or I fuck. Maybe they live in Louisiana. I don't know. (laughs) But presumably this is a French person. Yeah. Yeah. And instead of doing the thing that a lot of game developers do, which is they will set their work in America or whatever they think, like the largest target demographic will be right. Like he has chosen to set it, you know, where he's from, what he knows. I don't know how old he is. Maybe he is a decent bit older than us and kind of lived through the nineties as an adult and like, you know, experienced a lot of this stuff kind of, uh, kind of in the way that you will recall better if you experienced it in kind of like your twenties or something, right. You know, like you're, you're, you're self-aware, but you're not like, you know, like a real full human until you get to about your twenties. So like, you know, I don't know, but sure. All that to say is, is like, this is, this is what happens when someone doesn't try to chase like a, you know, like a, a like a money target. They're right. just like, I'm going to make what I know and I'm going to build everything around it. And obviously it results in better art. And Silent Hill is great and it's set in America. So I'm not saying you can't <laughs> you can't do that, but it's good to have this, you know, like, yeah, I wish I wish that the the uh, medium of video games and the people who make them that they didn't feel so beholden to a lot of kind of unnecessary traditions. I think that being one of them. Yeah. That it's just got to be like, you know, you got to make metal wolf chaos. It's got to be the American president or it just (laughs) won't be the, no one will want to play it because the Americans won't care if it's not America. Yeah. Which is, you know, is true to an extent, unfortunately. Well, like I get it, but I mean, I, I agree with what you're saying. But that's a terrible example because I think Metal Wolf. Yeah, I think it's all I could come I up with. I think Metal Wolf Chaos is the most American game ever made. I think they yeah, actually well, I nailed mean, it, it. That game, that game did have to be what it is, but I just couldn't conjure, <laughs> you know. A, I'm a just I'm just saying, I think Metal Wolf Chaos, they hit the nail on the head. I am always running things over while trading quips with my assistant you know the gentleman in me goes off the clock at 5 p.m that's just what we do in america (laughs) i fucking love that game that game is so (laughs) it's such hot garbage it is such a garbage fire game it was so funny to replay some of it right before armored core 6 came out because like dude it's really good I like I'm just like, I'm not going to buy it because like, you know, it's hard to sit at my desk right now and my laptop yeah. definitely is not going to be able to run Armored Core. Uh, sure. And like, you know, I just 
I'm not 100% sure where my computer is going to be in a week and a half. And so I was like, I'll just wait. Yeah. And I'm just praying that it doesn't turn into the Elden Ring situation where I got to play Elden Ring for 15 hours and then I didn't get to play it for four months. And then by the time I did, everyone had moved on and yeah. it didn't feel fun to play anymore. <laughs> well, I mean, they're both games that people played for a long ass time. Like I remember when, yeah, but it was like the, 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 like being able to like pop in the discord and everybody's talking about Elden Ring. Like by yeah. the time I got to like really sit down and get back into it, like no one was doing that. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, er, like people were still playing it, but like my people. Were <laughs> well, I feel like anyone who bought armored core, six i think is either gonna play it for like five hours or 500 hours <laughs> oh yeah like because sure. like i feel like it's that kind of game like i've heard it's not actually very long but it's like yeah but if like like i think there's two kinds of people right with armored core it's like the first time you have to set up your robot uh, and you actually get full access to like all the menus and the part shop and yeah. all the stats you either mm -hmm. are like um, this is a lot or you're like this is going to be my everything and like mm -hmm. that's definitely like the way I felt yeah. <laughs> once I actually like got in there oh yeah like back in the day like my favorite part was making the robot oh my god the part dude. that I wasn't good at was figuring out why my robot couldn't fucking beat it yeah <laughs> Which well, I think yeah. I'm a, a more educated, seasoned individual, and I think I can approach that um, better now. Especially now that the gameplay side of it's probably ostensibly like more solid. Oh, yeah, like a thousand percent. Well, and this will be in a Patreon episode. I started recording some thoughts about Armored Core 6, and then I Ooh. stopped because um, I'm going to play more. But yeah. one thought I had right away was that, you know, before it came out, people were worried, like, is it going to be a Soulsborne game now? Because that's all they make. Um, and it's not. And what is very fascinating to me is that instead of being a Soulsborne game that looks like Armored Core, it is exactly the old school Armored Core um, in terms of like game structure and like, you know, the whole point of the game. Basically, it's 100 yeah. percent old school Armored Core. But that all just makes a lot more sense in the context of Soulsborne games. Because, like, hmm. having a player base that is now accustomed to spending hours in menus making, like, tiny numbers adjustment to make their guy roll better and also, like, <laughs> used to playing games for hundreds of hours that, like, absolutely pulverize you into the ground with, like, unbeatable difficulty levels, suddenly yeah. Armored Core makes perfect sense. Whereas, like... Yeah, I do think back in the day there, were, I mean, self included, a lot of people who played Armored Core that was like, why is it like this? Whereas yeah. like now that we've been like, you know, conditioned like a bunch of dogs to just lap up like Soulsborne games, <laughs> it's suddenly like, oh, this game makes complete and total sense. Also, here's a version that's like perfect and beautiful and the controls are actually good. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. OK, this is amazing. You know? Yeah, it's de there's definitely an angle to it that um where like a game like that works better now because yeah. console games up until the last like I don't know a decade maybe a little bit more like the idea of someone spending 4,000 hours in a console game just did not exist right 
Like that was like there were maybe some games on PC that yeah. people would do that with. There were you, you had your like with the with the online connectivity, especially like you had your like Counter Strike people. Yeah, you had like various uh, real time strategy communities, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but like yeah, on consoles and even when like you know like the PlayStation Two and the Xbox started like going online and all that stuff. Like I, you know, like, of course people played like SOCOM and Halo. But I think uh, if you actually had an hour counter, I think a lot of those people, even the people who were like just playing it, like that's the only game they played, they still capped out. I, I like I think maybe some of the crazies hit a thousand, but like yeah, just like no wifing a fucking thing. Yeah, that didn't exist. And even if you don't do that now, a lot of us have definitely played more games that we have spent a lot of time in. Yeah, like well over. I for me personally, I think if you get over 75 hours in a game, that's a long fucking game, brother. Yeah. And like, I don't think most of us did that before like 2012, at least, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, I I feel like there was an era of it in the PS1 when there were all of those JRPGs coming out and they were like exploding in length. Um I feel yeah. like there was an era there where I was playing a fuck ton of long video games and even returning to those games. I'm like, damn, this shit feels long as fuck, dude. <laughs> um, That's because we're getting older. We got shit to do. I know. We can't just play video <laughs> games all day. I know. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was telling Monica last. Okay, so <laughs> I'm so fucking busy. I just put out a record and um, I'm working on something else, too. And uh, so I'm just like always working. And then like I'm also working two fucking jobs and practicing with bands and like my schedule has just been horrible and so last night I was like well I know that Armor Core 6 is coming out so I like basically got to practice at 10.30 and like slammed an energy drink so I could like stay up because <laughs> I had to come home and work more for like another hour and I was like well I want to play a couple hours of Armored Core and I was like like slamming a monster so I could play fucking armored core and I was like this is so far from the carefree days of my youth I've fallen so far but like I mean yeah this is the timeline that leads to armored core so yeah oh yeah dude armored core feels very like next week honestly <laughs> next yeah. week ass game but like uh, what I was saying, I guess the point of that was that I feel like there was a time in the PS1 era where we were all playing a fuck ton of video games, and then that kind of went away for many years. And then, yeah, I didn't play anything that fucking long, like really until the pandemic. I mean, because even yeah. before the pandemic, you know, there's maybe one game that came out a year that I'd get 30 to 40 hours in. And then like that was where I topped out. And it was usually just because the game was pretty fucking long. Like you needed to play it for at least 30 hours to beat it. Um, I think even Breath of the Wild, which I felt like I had played for fucking ever. I had like 40 hours in or something, you know, or like 30 hours like before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And then the pandemic hit and suddenly I was like, oh yeah, I'll play all these super long ass games. I have fucking nothing to do. <laughs> and now that like, I mean, the pandemic's still definitely fucking going, but people are acting like it's not and living like it's not. Now that shit is like back to normal in that sense. Man, it's yeah. a challenge. It's a challenge, dude. Well, hey, I'm sure we'll get another one before long or yeah. something. We'll get something. <laughs> Something'll happen. Oh. Something's going. Yeah. Yeah. I think I gotta start. I gotta start planning for the contingencies. <laughs> yeah. Uh yeah, dude. You're gonna be filling that basement up with um 
<laughs> Those uh, what, Kenneth Baker like bean bean slop. Uh, I'm buckets. just gonna like flood. I'm gonna flood it so I have an ass load of water. Oh, nice. That's tight. I'm gonna flood it and then just like put a bunch of like chlorine tabs and like those <laughs> water bottle purify purification tablets and stuff and just be like, yo, this is some clean ass water I got down here. What y'all? What are you gonna <laughs> give me for it? I, I was gonna say you're like sipping some like nasty. I'm just gonna spend water. all of my money on a goddamn like mounted machine gun and sandbags <laughs> and be like, all right, what do you give me or else I blast you, dude? Water wars, they're coming. I'm telling. <laughs> you water world's next baby <laughs> i'll just call call my my crib water, water world. world up next baby <laughs> anyway uh speaking of long games decarnation is not a long game um and it's nope that's part of why it's so fucking great um yeah it's it's just like it's a cool engaging story it consistently shows you cool engaging things um they hired akira yamoka to do some of the music that's yeah, uh, it's a really diverse soundtrack. Yeah, uh, and at one point I was like, "Wow, this is this is very uh, Yamaoka esque." And then of course I got I got to the credits because you know they they were smart and they made the credits interactive too. Yeah, so I did that, got that achievement. But uh, I was you know actually looking at the credits and I was like, "Oh damn, he's he's here! The guy they got the guy, he's here." Yeah, for sure. And like the music throughout is great. You know, it's by a bunch of different artists, but like, yeah, those kind of yeah. like licensed sounding or feeling vocal tracks. And then, you know, the in-game music, the kind of weird other world music, it's all really, really good. Um, I really enjoyed it. I even listened to the soundtrack a bit after mm-hmm. I beat the game. Um, yeah, it's definitely one that if they can like license it for like an actual physical release, I would I'd probably cop that. Yeah, for sure. No, but it's like. Yeah, I just feel like there's so much that this game did right. And like, you know, maybe it just hit me at the right moment, but I was just like, damn, like this is really fucking good. Like it's it's really satisfying to just play a narrative horror game that doesn't try to be anything else. It doesn't have shitty shoehorned in combat. It doesn't have bad game mechanics that are just plopped in because they need to be there. It's just like a good story. Um I think that it's very, once again, you know, I know I'm harping on this, but I do want to say that, like, it's really cool to see someone tell a Silent Hill style story that deals with serious issues and actually do it justice. Like, the whole game is basically about this woman, like, unpacking her trauma while experiencing even more fucked up shit, but it's done in a way that doesn't feel disrespectful. It feels like it treats the things that happen in the game with the proper gravity, um, gravity i really chewed on that one (laughs) fuck oh uh with the proper gravity that it deserves and it's just a good engaging story like the characters are likable the writing is good and you want to see what happens next like the game just kind of keeps pulling you along because you want to see what happens next and Yeah. yeah and it actually fucking um has a like a good it like it ends good yeah and not bad like it doesn't do it doesn't yeah which is not to knock silent hill and similar games but it's like like silent hill games it's either like fucking like everyone dies someone dies or someone's just in purgatory right basically like that's just it yeah and it's nice to have like a game that is very weighty and serious and dark and it's still it still finds a way to sort of like the roller coaster goes all the places it needs to. Yeah. 
Like it, it ends, it ends on a good note and that doesn't feel like disappointing. Like, you know, sometimes maybe you watch like a horror movie and it has like a positive ending. Yeah. And you're like, well, well, fuck man. Yeah. But like, you know, here it all, it's good. Yeah. It's good. It, she doesn't, she gets, you know, effectively tortured, but like it doesn't, it's not like she just gets tortured and she dies. Yeah. You know, which regardless of what you say through the course of that story, you know, at some point, like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to watch somebody just like suffer relentlessly and then they just kind of like fade away. I'm like, okay, I've seen that. So it's good that like she overcomes things. Yeah. And the things that she overcomes uh, in some ways overcome themselves and all this other stuff. And, you know, she just kind of literally rides off into the sunset and you can play a mini game if you want. <laughs> yeah. You get to play Mario Kart and it's awesome. Uh, well, no, you bring up a couple of interesting points that I think about a lot when I'm looking at horror games, which is what I do on this podcast I created. I don't, yeah, I don't know if you guys knew that, but... Uh. Hi, my name's Ali Jafar. My podcast, Zero Brightness, which I created, is a space in which we look at horror video games. You can find more information at zerobrightness.com. Damn, son, where'd you find this? <laughs> you bring up a couple things that I think about a lot when I'm looking at and thinking about horror games. One thing is that I think that when we when games try to do the Silent Hill thing or they try to take influence from Silent Hill, it's very frustrating because often it's very surface level, right? And that's a term I've used a couple times in this episode. It's because that's so, so, so common, right? Like if you think about it, if someone tells you a game is Silent Hill-esque, Silent Hill-esque is, is the video game's version of Lynchian. It's it that's it's one yeah. one to one like because yeah. when people say that when they say a movie's Lynchian it's like it's weird you know and then like <laughs> when someone says a game is Silent Hill esque it's like it's, it's foggy. foggy and like that's kind of where it ends. Bumble <laughs> yeah but buck to the Bumble um, so and Turok actually Turok well, is like in sixty four dude. Turok 64 is straight up like the real Silent Hill confirmed, dude. What the fuck? <laughs> but like, yeah, like w people say something like Silent Hill or whatever. They mean it in a very surface level way. But in this game, I think that they correctly identify and then really ably perform like the best part of a Silent Hill type story, which is that it's a story that uses surrealism to show you two things at once. It shows you the outward struggle that a character is experiencing and also the inner turmoil that they're experiencing. And that's like kind of enhancing the outward struggle, right? It's like someone's in a bad situation. They're also freaking out because they killed their wife, right? Like it's a very simple yeah. classic setup. And yet so many of the games that try to do the Silent Hill thing don't actually do that or don't try to like mine that for interesting or engaging storytelling. Yeah. And, and like sometimes the things that they do, the characters are like not I'm like, why'd you make them do that? Why yeah. did it have to be this? Right. Like it's it's bad characterization. It's bad writing. It's just a bunch of horse hockey, basically. But like Decarnation is really fucking good. Like the writing is good. The story is good. There's a real empathetic feel to it. You know, it's like you're you're watching his character go through all these horrible things and you're experiencing their emotions, but it's in a way where you do fully like empathize with them and you feel like 
you're kind of like, I don't know if this is the wrong way to put it, but like you're in their situation. Like this character has hope. This character has aspirations. They're trying to like get out of this shitty situation. They're experiencing a really diverse array of emotions, right? Like there's times when they're happy. There's times when they're hopeful in addition to times when they're terrified and times when they're like depressed. Right. And like, I feel like that's the really cool thing about this like mode of storytelling or this like kind of subgenre uh, of storytelling is that you can really do that and you can use the surrealism and all that weird shit to like enhance that rather than pull away from it. And that's what I've been missing in like roughly, I guess what you can call like Silent Hill inspired games or Silent Hill likes is that like they just are really one dimensional and shallow or they just only focus on the like, this is the most fucked up thing ever. Like, oh, this character yeah. is like, oh, this character's dad is represented by a bed. <laughs> Get it? Like, it's so scary. Like, I don't know. It's, it looks, once again, I hate to bag. I'm just like, I hate bagging uh. on classic games that I also love like everyone else does. But like, I do feel that like the years of like lionizing Silent Hill and saying it's perfect have kind of just like fucked modern horror games to the point where like, they're dumb and they yeah. haven't moved past you know what i mean they haven't moved yeah. past silent hill 2 and it's like we can all acknowledge silent hill 2 fucking rules but like move past it like we want new things and new yeah. ideas <laughs> it's getting dated dog yeah and and that's like i feel like this game actually does that kind of story and that kind of storytelling in a way that feels fresh and new and real and it's like on par with just any other piece of good art you might consume. You know, it's not good for a video game or good for a horror game. Yeah. It's just good. And it's uh, $15. Yes. Full price. Uh, uh, it was on sale, of course. But uh, yeah, yeah. Like barrier to entry, very low here. So like, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess we just got to get the word out. Cause Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's like this game just does a lot right. And it's in a way that's like really unexpected. And so it's like, yeah, like you really learn to you kind of bond with this character you really like this character the story really reels you in it's just like yeah i don't know and, it, and like i said it tackles heavy themes in a way that i think is just really really good and it's also just a fun surreal adventure story like i said it reminds me it makes me think of like terry gilliam or like certain like surrealist novels that i really like from the 80s and 90s um and it's really just because like it's compact, it's it's short and sweet, but it also takes you on this huge, really crazy journey. It shows you all this crazy shit. Some of the areas that it kind of sticks you in and just has you solve a puzzle to proceed are really weird and surreal and creepy. Um, I think what's the, like another game that I think this game deserves the same kind of coverage, right? Is like Scorn, the like HR Geiger game where people are like you can <laughs> I, uh, you can stick your hand in a butthole it's crazy you know yeah oh your penis your penis yeah, yeah. <laughs> i i haven't played it just because um uh i think mostly just because i saw some people in the zero brightness discord kind of i guess talking about some of the like more frustrating points of it i also have like a love hate with uh with the geiger-esque works <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes I'm very much like, no, yes, yeah, yes, this is crazy, and I love it. And sometimes I'm like, Ugh. like sometimes it makes me feel uh, the way I felt when I was like a real little kid, and I had to like go with my parents, and they were like staying at someone's house, and I didn't know the house or the people. Yeah. And it's dark. Uh -huh. You know. You know. I, maybe that's not a universal experience, but for me, like there was a very specific type of like 
fear yeah and panic that would happen anytime i had to go somewhere like that like just meeting new people is a thing for me as a kid it still is as an adult but like not only do i not know these people but i'm trapped in their fucking house yeah and i don't know where anything is and it's everything's turned off because everyone's asleep and i'm i'm wide the fuck awake and i'm panicking and like for some reason just like the visual stylings of hr geiger like kind of tap into that for which there's no real connection there i don't think yeah but it like it does that to me. So I'm I'm always kind of like at odds with it. So, yeah, I'll probably play Scorn eventually. But I, you know, I also have a weird childhood association with H.R. Geiger. I think it's because for a lot of people, it is like some of the first like shocking avant garde outsider visual art. Mm-hmm. They'll see at least like people our age were in the nerd shit because he's like so associated with like alien and and a, just yeah. a lot of nerd shit, really, to be honest. Um, and so I think of that, but then when I think of H.R. Geiger, I always think of the cover of Brain Solid Surgery by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, the classic, um, like absurd, dorky prog rock record that I fucking love. Um, but then when I try to imagine that album and what it sounds like, I just imagine, I think it's the boss theme from Chrono Trigger, which is literally just like a note for note ripoff of a song from Brain Solid Surgery by Emerson, Lake, and Palmer. Uh, and that's, I, my brain goes down that rabbit hole and then I'm thinking that I want to replay Chrono Trigger. So that's why I haven't played Scorn. Cause every time I think about it, I think about replaying Chrono Trigger and instead I've now started replaying Chrono Cross, but we'll see if I get anywhere. Ah, ah okay. the th- they did, they did port that recently, right? Like yeah. They did like a big like HD remaster. Yes. Kind of thing. It's awesome. It's, I got it on switch. It was like on sale for like 10 bucks and it's, uh, mm. Chrono Cross remastered the new visuals look great but it also has radical dreamers the like uh like text adventure game that they released before like between chrono trigger and chrono cross Mm. and it's like it's sort of like the inspiration for chrono cross um i finally played that it's fucking awesome it's so good um, just a really I cool... I never played Chronos Cross, so... <laughs> like Chrono Trigger, but... Chronos Cross. All right, okay, all right. What's What did you say earlier? I actually got to... How did you say gravity wrong? Dude, I can't fucking... You motherfucker. I know. I, my allergies are really bad, and I'm, like, a little high, and it's just, like, not good. No, right now, yeah. Mm. I'm just, like, chewing on every word. Um, all right, Afro, man. <laughs> Didn't wasn't he in the news recently? I think he did something bad. He's always doing something bad. He's always he's like, <laughs> there's been like more than one occasion that he's just like punched a woman in the face <laughs> no. at like his concerts. He uh he's from he's from my hometown actually. Really? What? Yeah, I have a um I have a like and I swear to God this isn't fake. Like I have a he like went Christian for a while. <laughs> okay. And he like made an album in my uh, one of my friends lived next door to him for wow. like a few years, and he just like gave him some copies, and I have it somewhere. Was the single? Was the single? It literally opens. It opens with a, a Christian parody. It's because I got high. That's I was gonna say. It was the first single because I got the most high. <laughs> no, it's because I got saved. Oh, that's not very good, actually. Yeah. yeah. I mean, neither is the album. <laughs> that's to be expected. Yeah. Well, okay. So what I was saying before you called me Afro Man <laughs> um, is that the game Scorn. That's how we got down this whole pathway. Uh, the game Scorn. Um, <laughs> the Scorn Afro Man pipeline. It's real, dude. We went through it. <laughs> 
the game scorn people talk about it in the context of its visual style and it being influenced by like visual art and it's like oh you should play it because like hr geiger is cool I feel like that's the way that people should talk about decarnation because it's so influenced by all these like really cool pieces of, you know, visual art and media, but it does it such justice. Like I said, I think it really like inserts itself in the same conversation and kind of adds itself to the same canon as all the stuff it's inspired by in a way that's really cool and to me is very impressive because generally you don't expect derivative works to kind of transcend or to like add yeah. themselves to that same conversation, but this one does. And it's just as much of a like fun and interesting, you know, storytelling experience as like watching a Chris Marker movie or, you know, like watching Twin Peaks or something like that. And yeah, I think I think that's the really amazing and like exceptional thing about this game is that it achieves that, which is not something I expect any game, especially not like a little, you know, low budget like indie game to achieve. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it feels like it could be a like a really good uh, jumping off point for kind of a new period in yeah. the genre. But that I think that requires a lot of people to play it, yeah. or at least the right people. Play so the fucking hopefully, game. Hopefully that happens. Yeah. Maybe maybe it'll pop off, uh, you know, October's coming up, so there'll be a you know, Steam sale for that and all that fun stuff. So Yeah, I hope so, because I think more people should play this game. And yeah, like it's also, you know, I, I think that you're right that it, it is a great starting point for like a sort of post genre era of like indie games, you know, and of horror games. Cause I think we're already there. Like I've been talking about a lot, like the last episode, the last Patreon episode, you know, talking about how for a lot of games that are specifically in the horror genre and are linear and narrative based, there's a lot of classic video game stuff that just doesn't work. Um, and when I say it doesn't work, I mean that it makes your game worse by including it, you know, the example mm -hmm. I gave in the last Patreon episode was the game Madison, which like halfway through kind of flips from having mm. it flips from having no combat, no death, no fail state to having very harsh fail states and death. And it's like the game just takes an absolute fucking dive right there, you know, or something like Visage, which is all over the place in terms of that and like really veers from like being the best horror game of the last decade to like the worst <laughs> yeah. horror game of the last decade. And it's like yeah, like I feel like for this specific genre, subgenre, and like style of game, like narrative horror games, I think that a lot of that stuff just has to go out the window, you know, especially if you just want to give people good storytelling experiences, good immersive experiences, like that you got to chuck that stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Time will tell, baby. Yeah, time will tell. I think Decarnation fucking rocks. Oh, yeah. That's a 10 out of 10. Yeah. And and it snuck up on me. I'll say it too. I mean, you know, this happens to me from time to time. It's been happening to me a lot lately. I don't know what that means. Maybe I'm like actually just like losing my mind or like, uh, you know, yeah, I'm just actually losing my mind. But lately I just keep like experiencing stuff. And I'm like, that was pretty good. And then the more I think about it, I'm like, <laughs> wait, what the fuck? This is like amazing. Um, I recently watched this insane movie. Actually, here's another plug. I watched this movie called The Witch Subversion. It's a Korean movie. It's on Tubi and Tubi. Uh, Ooh, we love Tubi. We love Tubi, the best streaming service. It's on Tubi and it says it's a horror movie. Tubi alleges it's a horror movie. I don't really think that's true. 
What it is, is it's kind of like every kind of movie happening at once. It's like a, <laughs> okay. it's like a gory horror, comedy, drama, supernatural Marvel movie. Okay, all right. You didn't have to go there. Well, but that's the thing is like there are parts of it that are like really dumb, almost superhero-esque shit. But like the fact that it's also in this movie where like there's like a very long scene of these teenagers eating eggs in like the most disgusting way possible <laughs> and it just keeps going and it's like fucking incredible. Uh, well, you know, horror and disgusting food scenes just really go hand in hand. So. Right. But it's played as like comedy is the other thing. But it goes on for so long that it's kind of like, wait, what is this? Um Anyway, it's one of the weirdest movies I've ever seen in my life. It makes no fucking sense. I watched it and I was like, I have no idea how to feel about that. And then I immediately watched the sequel and I was like, I don't know how mm. to feel about that either. Four fucking hours later. And then I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Actually, I think I love that. And that was amazing. It's just like ridiculous, over the top, absurd and weird as fuck. That's exactly how decarnation is. It's all of those things. And you might not know how to feel about it right away, but I would say stick with it, see it through to the end, because you're definitely not going to play another game like it, and it actually whips ass. Mm, so Definitely not for a while, at least. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, I hope we get more games like this, because this shit was fucking bananas, you know? 